Well, next Sunday marks the first Sunday of the Advent season. And uh, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, maybe you've heard that term before, but Advent just uh, marks the days that are leading up to the celebration of the birth of Christ, that first Advent when Jesus came as a baby. And so in order to prepare for that, that little video, uh, there's a a little little devotional called Long Expected Jesus that we want to just give to you as our kind of Christmas gift to you. And in this little devotional, there is um, every day a reading, and you can read through that. And then what we're going to do is on our Facebook page, every day there will be a question that we're going to ask to where we can just kind of dialogue with each other. Our goal is we wanted to just do something to where we could kind of journey through Advent together collectively. And so this is what we want to do. So on your way out, there's a table out underneath the TV in the lobby, and there's one of these books on the table. Actually, I hope there's more than one, because otherwise, you know, sharing would be kind of rough. But no, I think there's a bunch of books out there. That was a joke, but... (laughs) You know, it's not... Dustin, what is, you know, I, I got to say it's a joke to get people to laugh. I don't know. What, I, anyway, I'll work on that. I'll work on my stuff. But anyway, there are several books out there, and we want you to invite you to grab one. What we're going to ask is that you do one per household um, so that everybody has enough. And so uh, take one of those, and let's journey together uh, towards Advent. So we invite you to do that. I'm going to put this down here out of my way. Uh, this morning, we're going to wrap up our series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks, and we've simply been talking about prayer, and, and particularly, you know, how we can pray with more power, how we can pray with more fervency, with more impact, and uh, to help us to kind of know how to pray, we've been looking at some very specific prayers that the Apostle Paul actually prayed. That hopefully, and this has been my prayer, hopefully we're incorporating the prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed into our own prayer life. Sometimes we we wonder, you know, what should I pray about? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be praying about. These are some really good prayers that we can incorporate into our own prayer life, and hopefully we're doing that. And so we we began in week one uh, by talking about the need to pray for what? Do you remember? Say, yes, I, I think I heard somebody say power. Yeah, uh, to to pray for God's power in our lives, specifically the power to understand how much God loves us. We, We need his supernatural power even to get a full understanding of how much God loves us. And so week one, I encouraged you to begin to pray for power to understand how much God loves you. Then in week two, we talked about praying for God to help us to, to, to do something. Do you remember what it is? Just say it out loud. To share our faith? Yeah, to be active in sharing our faith. And then last week, we talked about the importance of praying for something in the body of Christ. You remember what that was? Unity. Man, you guys are good. You're on it. Yeah, we prayed for unity in the body of Christ. What would happen if the capital C church would actually come together and be unified, how might that transform the world? We want to be a unified church, and so Paul encourages us to pray for unity in the body. And so that's where we've been, and if you missed any of those, you can watch them either on Facebook, you can catch up there, or on our app, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, But this morning, we're going to wrap things up, 
And, and I want to do so by sharing with you one final prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. And again, it's found in the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, the, the book of Philippians is actually a, a letter. It's not actually a book. It's a letter um, that Paul wrote to the believers in Philippi. And he, he actually wrote this letter to his friends in Philippi while he was imprisoned in Rome. Uh, Paul had been arrested for preaching the gospel. And the, the Jewish leaders, they were not happy with Paul. And, and they were working hard. They actually wanted him to be executed. And so Paul, he is, he's in prison in Rome. He's writing this letter as he's awaiting his fate. And as far as Paul knows, this, this could be his last day on earth. And so he's, you know, he, he's pretty sure that he's never going to be able to see his friends in Philippi again. And so with that in mind, he takes this opportunity to share some last thoughts with these people whom he dearly loves. In fact, uh, Paul begins his letter uh, by, by saying, I thank my God every time I think of you. This is how dear these people were to him. In other words, Paul says, man, you guys are so special to me that I can't even think about you without pausing and thanking God for allowing me to be a part of your life. And so Paul really loves these people. He knows that this may be his last opportunity to say anything to them. And so this is kind of one of those, if I could say anything at all to you, this is what is most important kind of letters. And that's the context. And so listen to what Paul says. He says this. He says, and this is my prayer. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that, now there's that language again. Paul uses this language, I pray for a specific reason. I pray so that, in this case, so that you will be able to discern what is best. I pray that, that, that this love may abound more and more and more and more in you so that you may discern what is best. Now, now, Paul begins this letter by saying that I pray that your love, your love would abound more and more. And so the natural question here is, Paul, what, what kind of love are you talking about? Because, because there are all kinds of different loves, right? There are all kinds of different types of loves. I mean, you can love your mom, but you can also love chocolate. Hopefully they're not the same. You know, hopefully you don't love them the same. Um, some people really love chocolate, though. Um, but, but, but anyway, uh, you, can, you can also, you know, you can love your wife, and you can also love the Huskers. And, and one of those has been really hard to love lately. I'll let you pick, you know, on that one. But, but you know, there are different types of love. Um, and, and so the kind of love that Paul is referring to here. Is, is a word that is agape. That's the word that he uses, agape, which is the deepest kind of love that exists on the planet. Agape love. Agape love is a love that is, is unconditional. Agape love is the kind of love that, that doesn't revolve around, you know, what am I going to get out of this deal? Agape love is not about, you know, how is this going to make me feel? But rather, it's the kind of love that, that takes absolute delight in whatever or whomever the object of the love is. 
Agape love is a love that is chosen. It's on purpose. It's intentional. Agape love is, is the kind of love that is birthed from the heart of God. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that just doesn't give us what we think we want, but it's a love that always gives what is needed. That's the kind of love that Paul is talking about. And Paul says, it's that kind of love that I want to abound, or another translation uses the language to keep growing. I want, Paul says, I want that kind of love to keep growing in you more and more and more, he says, both in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, now Paul's prayer here is pretty stinking awesome. Because essentially, that's the first time I've ever got an amen to stinking awesome. That's awesome. That's pretty stinking awesome. It is awesome because Paul says, essentially what he's saying, he says, this is my prayer for you, that you would experience a love that is so powerful that it would begin to transform you from the inside out. He says, I want you to experience a kind of love. My prayer is that the love of God is that continues to grow in you and it begins to change not only the way that you think that you would grow in knowledge, but, but because you have a greater depth of insight that this love, it begins to change the way that you act. It changes your behavior. It changes the way you live your life. Paul says, this is the kind of love that I want you to experience because it'll totally transform your life. Now listen, I believe that one of the primary ways that God demonstrates to us or shows us or expresses to us this agape love, the kind of love that gives us a greater depth of knowledge and insight, one of the primary ways that God does that just so happens to be through other people. God works through other people. God, God works through, through followers of him. And, and so often, God will use other people to speak his love and truth into our lives. Doesn't he do that? I mean, I know time and time again, that's been the case for me. I was thinking about that this past week as I was preparing for this morning. And my mind couldn't help but go back to a number of years ago. I, it, was, it was a time in our life, it was a difficult time. We had actually, uh, I, I actually had moved um, our family from Nebraska to Kansas. And, and I had been offered um, a, a job at a radio station and, and I was a concert promoter at the time and they wanted me to come and promote these big concerts in Kansas City. And I felt like God was saying to me as I prayed about it, I really sensed God was saying, Go. And so I, I convinced Laura, I, I packed up, uh, you know, Laura and our daughter Seeger and our son Noah, our daughter was eight at the time, and, and I packed up our family and we went, and, and really it was a tough move for Seeger, it was a tough move for Laura, but I felt like that this is what we were supposed to do, and so we moved. We moved away from home, we moved away from family, we moved away from all of our support, and when we got there, absolutely nothing worked out the way that I thought that it would. 
And, and, and we didn't know this when I took the job, but the station wasn't very stable financially. And so within a couple of years, everything fell apart. The station wound up going belly up. And so here we are. We're in Kansas City. We had just built our first home. And all of a sudden, I had no job. I had no income. I had no prospects. I had no idea what we were going to do. And, and deep down inside, I felt like a complete loser. I mean, I was sure that I had heard from God. And so I had been the one. I had convinced Laura, we need to go. We need to move. And, you know, it wasn't what she wanted to do at the time, but, but she had put her trust in me. And now here we were in this mess, and it was my fault. We had no idea, no clue how we were going to make our house payment. And, and we had two little kids, and we weren't even sure how we were going to buy groceries. And I felt like such a failure, and I didn't know what to do. But one day, I was invited to go have lunch with this guy I had met recently. And he was a pastor of a church down in one of the worst neighborhoods in Kansas City, right in the heart of the city, down off 12th in Brooklyn. His name was Thurman Mitchell. And Thurman said, man, if you don't have anything to do, why don't you just come and hang out with me? And, and inside, I, I was thinking two things. First of all, I was thinking, man, I need to be hanging out someplace where I'm getting paid. You know what I'm saying? That's where I need to be hanging out. Um, at least that's what Laura was telling me. You need to be hanging out someplace where you're getting paid. The second thing I was thinking was, I'm pretty sure that that place is not going to be down off 12th in Brooklyn. You know, what, I'm not going to get paid for anything good down off 12th and Brooklyn. But, but I was just kind of drawn to Thurman. And so I went. And, and I'll never forget the first time I walked in to the Victory Temple Outreach Center. <laughs> Again, inside, I was at a complete low. I felt like a total failure. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I, I obviously have missed it. I obviously cannot hear God. But the first thing that Thurman did when he saw me was he, he gave me this big hug when I walked in. And then he grabbed me by the shoulders and he looked me right in the eye and he said, man, I am so glad that I get to hang out with you because you are a mighty man of God. And I looked behind me because I thought somebody had walked in <laughs> behind me, you know, and I, I thought, dude, you have no idea. I mean, I am anything but a mighty man of God. <laughs> I, I'm nothing but a loser. I mean, these were the thoughts that were going through my mind, and that's how I felt. But, but, but every day for several weeks, I was drawn to go down and hang out with Thurman. And every day, he'd give me this big hug. He'd look me square in the eye, and he'd say, man, I'm so glad that you're here because you are a mighty man of God. And I'll never forget one afternoon in the sanctuary of this little inner city church, uh, Thurman walked me down and we sat on the left-hand side of the worship center there in the front two seats on the left-hand side. It's completely dark in the sanctuary, just the lights that were shining through the window. And he said, Doug, I know that things haven't worked out the way you thought they would. And I know in your mind you think that you've missed it. But then he said, but, but, but what if God is still at work in your life? He said, what if even in the midst of your pain and what you perceive as failure, God is working in a way that he's never worked before? And then he said, what if God wants to do something in you through the difficulty that he could never, ever do through your success? 
This was such a powerful moment in my life. It was a defining moment. You see, God was expressing his unconditional agape love to me through Thurman. And it took some time, but, but, but through those encounters, through, through God speaking through Thurman, he gave me a new depth of knowledge and insight, not only about how he saw me, but, but, how, but how he was at work, even, um, even not, not, not in spite of, but even through the difficulties and the hardships and the failures in my life. You see, because of the way that God expressed his love to me through Thurman, I was given new knowledge and a new depth of insight, and it wound up changing the way that I live my life, which, by the way, has, has aided me a whole lot in the years since then because that wasn't the only difficulty we've ever gone through. And so God helped me because he changed my depth of knowledge, my insight, my way of thinking, which, which then didn't change the way that I responded to situations, and he did that through another person as he expressed his agape love to me. Can, can I just give you one other quick example of what I'm trying to illustrate here? Um, and this one may seem a little silly at first, but, but stick with me on this. Um, I'm, I'm sure that many of you have seen uh, this, this logo before. There it is. We're not advertising or anything like that. Uh, but, but I'm sure that you have seen that logo before. Um, now, 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 let me ask you this. Did you know that there is a picture inside the picture of this logo? That there's something, and I don't know if you see it, but between the E and the X, there's a little arrow there. You know, you may have to squint your eyes and look at it. Do you see that there? Um, actually, for those of you who are still may have trouble seeing it, let's go to the second slide, put that up there. So there it is right there. There's an arrow in there. How many knew that there was an arrow in the FedEx? Okay, a few of you. How many see it now? Hopefully you can all see it now. A bunch of you. Okay, yeah, so we just dropped some knowledge on you. And so, listen, hey, you see that now, right? You hadn't seen it before. Let me tell you, it always existed. It was always there, whether you saw it or not. Put the first one back up there again. You see it now? Now you can't help but see it. Every time you look at this, you're going to see it. Every time. Because see, I gave you some new knowledge. I gave you a new depth of insight, and it changed the way that you saw this logo, right? That's what God does with us. As we experience his agape love, he will change the way that we see things. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know, once you experience this agape love of God, you're not going to be able to look at situations the same way anymore. You may have seen them in one way before, but once God's love starts to grow and grow and grow in you, you're going to look at things differently. You're going to see situations differently. You're going to see people differently. When you open up God's word, it's going to be different for you. As God's love grows and grows and grows in you, you're going to experience things around you in a different way because his love is transforming the way that you see things, the way that you act. He says, you know, when other people look at a situation and they only see desperation, they, they see no sense of hope, that's not how you're going to see it anymore because God is at work within you by his spirit transforming you from the inside out. And so you're not going to see desperation. You're going to see something different. Why? Because the love of God is growing more and more and more inside you, both in knowledge and depth of insight. And that will help you because, see, we, we can't discern what is best if we don't see things for what they really are. 
If we can't get past our circumstances and see things for the way that they really are, it's difficult to discern what is best. And ultimately, that's what this is all about. How do we know what is best? Which is a great question, by the way. And the answer to that question, how do we know what is best? Because we all want to know what is best. How do we know what is best? The answer to that's really not all that complicated. Here it is. The key to knowing what is best comes simply from knowing God. Now, that's how we know what is best, by, by simply knowing God. The key to knowing what is best is knowing God. It, it really is that simple and that complicated. It's kind of simply complicated, I guess. The key, key to knowing what is best is knowing God. And so the logical next question to that is, then how do we actually know God? That's why we're here, right? I mean, that's why we gather together, whether you've been here for years or this is your first time. This is the essence of why we gather together, because we really want to know God. And I'm not talking about knowing about God, but actually knowing God. We want to know God. That's what it's all about. And the key to knowing what is best is found in knowing God. And so how do we know God? And, and so what I want to do this morning is let me just try and take a very complex, how do you know the creator of the, of the universe question and illustrate it as simply and, and, and plainly as I can for you. Uh, and, and first of all, the, 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 the caveat to the, this, to, or the caveat statement that I want to give you is that the number of ways there are to know God are probably about as plentiful as the number of people on the planet. That the number of ways of knowing God, in other words, because God is all-knowing, He knows how we best can receive His love, and because He is all-powerful, the number of ways that He can express His love are infinite. And so the number of ways that we can know God by how He expresses His love to us are, are endless. However, that being the case, even though that's true, when it comes to any relationship, and God is, is not the exception, because we're talking about relationship here, when it comes to any relationship, there's still a primary way that we get to know somebody. And that is simply by listening to them, right? I mean, that's the way that you really get to, to know somebody. But the best way for me to get to know you is for me to listen to you. But by listening to you, I can discover what's important to you. What, what are the things that you like? What are the things that you don't like? What are your hopes and dreams? We, we get to know each other by listening to each other. Well, guess what? The same is true with God. If we really want to know God, if we want to know what's important to him, if we want to know what he loves, if we want to know what he hates, if we want to know what his hopes and his dreams are for our lives, that can only happen by listening to him. So very quickly this morning, I just want to give you three ways that you can get to know God, you can understand God's will for your life by listening to him. Somebody actually asked me this just the other day, you know, how... how 
How do you hear from God, and, and how do you know that that's God and it's not just, just me? L let me just give you three ways that God speaks and then talk about how we can know that this is from God, that it is God. The first way that God speaks to us so that we can know him and discern what is best is he speaks through the voices of other people. <laughs> I gave you an example of that with Thurman already, but, but God has this long history of speaking through regular people just like you and me. God has this long history of speaking through people. In fact, the Bible is full of stories about ordinary people who God chose to speak through. I mean, you know, you look at people like Abraham and Moses and Paul and Timothy. God has this long history of speaking through plain, ordinary people. And so this is why it's important, first of all, to surround yourself with, but secondly, to listen to the godly people that he has placed in your life. In fact, the writer of Proverbs says this. He says, get all the advice you can and you will succeed, but without it, you will fail. Wow, that's some great wisdom right there. If you really want to know what is best, then seek godly counsel from the people that God has placed around you. There's a great example of God speaking in this way in Exodus chapter 18. Uh, Moses had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land. They're in the desert. There's somewhere around 2.5 million people. And Moses is the sole leader, and, and so any time that any of these 2.5 million people need any advice or they have a dispute, guess who they come to? Moses. Can you imagine that? 2.5 people, all of them bringing their disputes to you, no matter how minor, you know, they all bring them to you. And so Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, he sees what's going on. And, and it, you know, it says in the scripture that people were standing before Moses all day long from morning to night. And so Jethro goes to Moses and he says, why in the world are you doing all this by yourself? He, he says, you know, what you're doing here, it's not good. It's only, it's only going to wear you out and wear the people out. You're trying to do way more than you can handle on your own. And so Jethro says, here's what you need to do. He says, you need to appoint other capable, trustworthy men to serve as judges to take care of the easy stuff for the people. And then if there's any tough stuff, then just let them bring that to you. But, but, but let them weed through all of the trivial stuff. You do what God has called you to do. You stick to the main thing. And so God uses Jethro to love and care for Moses to give some wisdom and help him discern what is best. Listen, folks. If we really want to do the same thing, if our heart is we want to discern what is best, if our heart is we want to make decisions that are pleasing to God, we have to begin by surrounding ourselves with godly people and then listening to the advice that God gives through them. This, the second way that God speaks in order to provide wisdom and direction is he also speaks through prayer. We, we've been, uh, this has been our focus for the past several months, and it's going to continue to be our focus moving forward because this is so important because, again, prayer is our primary connection. We're talking about prayer here. It's our connection to the Father. Prayer is the means in which we communicate with him and he with us. 
And, and there's a funny thing about prayer is that for a lot of us, when we think about prayer, we tend to think of it in terms primarily of our talking to God. We talk, he listens. You know, we, we, we talk to God, we praise God, we thank God for who he is and what he's done. We ask God to, to do things in our lives. We ask him to, to provide for us. We ask him to watch over the people that we love. We, we ask him to heal. We ask him to save. We ask him to move on our behalf. All good things. But, but, but you know that our talking is only intended to be a small part of prayer, right? It is because prayer is also about being quiet, and listening. You see, folks, prayer is simply, simply a conversation. It certainly involves our talking to God, but it also ought to involve our pausing to listen to what he has to say to us as well. It's amazing how in every other relationship that we have around us, we, we, we understand this concept quite naturally. I mean, husbands, I want you to think about this. I mean, think about, just imagine with me if you were to come home one night and your wife greeted you at the door. She's got a big smile on her face, the smell of apple pie cooking in the oven, a big kit. We're imagining, right? You know, so we might as well imagine it good. But, but she's there waiting for you and you come home and she says, honey, how was your day? Tell me about your day. And so you tell her, you know, however briefly uh, we gentlemen tend to do, you know, we just kind of hit the highlights, the basics of our day. But you tell about your day, and then in order to reciprocate, you ask your wife, so honey, how was your day? And right when she gets ready to answer, you turn around and walk out of the room. How would that go? You know, let me tell you how that's going to go. You're not going to have a good rest of the evening, I promise you that, Right? Because you didn't stop to listen. It's important to listen, right? By, by the way, ladies, this would be a great time to just kind of give your husband an elbow and say, I think he's talking to you, you know. I think he's talking to you, so you need to listen. In any relationship, listening is important. Listening is so important. It certainly is true in marriage. And it's true in our relationship with God as well. Did, did you know that God really wants to talk to you? God really wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to us. He does. In fact, personally, I have discovered the more that I listen, the more I'm intentional about listening, the more that I actually hear him speak. But we have to pause to listen. Now, now listen, I can't, I can't tell you that I've ever heard the audible voice of God, but I know it's him. Scripture says that my sheep will know my voice. And when we're in relationship with God and the more that we practice his presence, the more that we practice listening to him, the more that we will know that, that it's him, that, that, that what the voice of God is like, it's more, it's more like this internal prompting. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like this voice from the inside that is so loud that you can't ignore it. You know, your heart starts to beat a little bit and maybe your palms get sweaty, but there's this, you can't get away from it. You can't ignore it. It's this 
compelling thing from the inside that, that it just quickens your heart and you know that you have to do something or say something or give something or share something or write somebody something or whatever it is. And the more that you hear and respond to the voice of God, the easier it is to recognize it. Many of you know what I'm talking about because you know what it is to listen to God in prayer. God will actually speak to us. Wow. God will actually speak to us. But we have to listen. In fact, I believe that God is speaking all the time, but we're just not listening. And so we have to listen. And so God speaks to us. We can discern what is best through, through, through other people. We can discern by seeking godly counsel. He speaks to us through prayer when we take the time to listen to what he's saying. And, and the third way that God speaks to us is, is by his word. I know, I know, these seem so basic and so obvious. Somebody once said, and I've said this on a number of occasions, that, that oftentimes we don't need to learn new stuff. We just need to be reminded of what we already know that if we'll just practice what we already know. And so God speaks to us through his word. And isn't that awesome that God can still speak? When I think about this, this just blows my mind, that God can take words that were written a couple thousands of, thousands of years ago that, that a specific person in a specific time, in a specific situation, in a specific place wrote down, and he can take those words and he can use them to speak to me in my place, in this time, in this situation. That blows my mind. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the word of God, it's alive and active. <laughs> in other words, th these are not just dead words written on a book. When we pick up these, this book, these are not just dead words that were written on a book, and once they were written, their use is forever gone. These words are alive, and they're active, and even though they were spoken a couple, or written a, a couple thousand years ago, and they were intended for specific individuals, because they're alive and active, God can take them, and he can use them to speak into whatever situation that we're going through today. I can't tell you the number of times. I wish I had the time to share with you this morning that all the times that God has done this in my life. In fact, what I wish we had the time to do is to just go around the room and to share the number of times when, man, when we were going through something and we needed encouragement or needed an answer. And, you know, at just the right time, God gave us just the right passage of Scripture. Or gave us a story from Scripture that spoke right into what we needed in that moment. And I know there would be a ton of stories here this morning, wouldn't there? Because God speaks through his word. We don't have the time to do that this morning, but here's what I would like to do. And I hope a, a number of you will take me up on this. If you do, I, I think not only would it be really cool but, um, just to see it, but I think it will also be very encouraging. But, but right now there's a question being posted on our Facebook page that is revolving around this question about how has God spoken to you? How has God spoken to you? And don't do it right now. You can look at it if you want to, but, but don't do it right now. But what I would encourage you to do is many who will sometime today after the service or maybe tomorrow or later in the week, I want to invite you to briefly share a time when God spoke to you. 
How, what was the situation, and, and what did God say, and what did he use? Was it his word? I mean, we can branch it out further than, than what we're just talking about this morning. Was it an individual? Was it a circumstance? How was it that God spoke to you? What did he use? Feel free to give an example. And, and, and um, I believe that it, as we do that, it will encourage us. You know, in, in, the, in the church, when I was growing up, they used to have a regular basis. Wednesday nights was testimony night. We'd share, you know, what God is doing in our lives, what God is saying. So this will be like a virtual testimony, and we'll turn it into to more than a night. We can do it for a week or two weeks or however long it takes. But share your story, and then go read the stories. It'll encourage your heart, I promise you will, because you'll be reminded that God, he, he wants to speak to us all the time if we will just listen, and he will use, he'll use people, he'll use prayer, he'll use circumstances, he'll use his word, he speaks by his spirit, and so I encourage you to do that. Before we close, here, here's what I want to do, though. I want to give you a couple of, of really um, important guidelines when it comes to hearing from God. These are very important, all right? Because, again, we're trying to discern, we're trying to discern, is this God speaking to me? We want to hear from God. We don't, we don't need to know what we think. We already know what we think. And so we want to know what God has to think. And so a couple of very important guidelines. Number one, this is very important. If, if what you hear, either from a person or an impression, this thought you're having in, my, in your mind, if what you hear contradicts God's written word, can I just assure you it's not from God? God will never contradict his word. That's why it's important to know the word. I mean, if, you know, I, and I've heard this before, and I thought, how in the world could you be so blind to believe this? But, you know, that if, if God, if you say that, you know, God is telling you to leave your wife and go run off with this woman, I guarantee you that's not God. God would never contradict his word. It's important to know his word. He'll never say anything outside the boundary of his word. And so, so I'm always careful. I believe that God speaks through other people. But when somebody comes up and has a thus saith the Lord, we want to make sure that their thus saith the Lord is, is falling in line with what the Lord already thus said. <laughs> right? And so very important. The second one is this, is that when God speaks... God typically will speak the same thing through multiple sources. When God wants us to know something, when he wants us to hear something, he will speak the same thing through multiple sources. That's why it's important, again, you know, because sometimes people well-meaning and they think that they've heard from God will come and tell you this is what God's telling me in your situation. We better make sure that it lines up. If you've got a bunch of people saying the same thing and you've got this impression in your heart and you find a scripture that all of a sudden that speaks to you, you better pay attention to it. That's the Lord. I was thinking about this in my own life. Just a quick example, I was thinking back to, to when I was wrestling with the call of ministry on my life. And, and I, had, I had felt that call when I was a young boy, and uh, I, I've shared some of my story with you. My, my dad is a pastor. Actually, um, his last Sunday is uh, the 31st of this month. He'll retire after uh, he's 72 years old, 50 next month. Oh, yeah, we're not in December yet. I was rushing it. So December, yeah. So the 31st of December. Um, and he'll, he'll retire. My, my father is a pastor. 
Uh, both of my grandfathers were pastors. I've got like four uncles who are pastors. I've got a ton of cousins who are pastors. And so everybody just said, you know, when you grow up, you're going to be a pastor. And the rebellious side of me said, oh, yeah, I'll show you. And so I ran from that call for a number of years. I ran from God for a number of years. And when I finally recommitted my life back to Christ, that call began to reemerge in my life. Scripture says that the, the gifts of God are irrevocable. <laughs> And so when he puts those calls on our lives, you know, these are the giftings that he's placed within us. And so, so I, I ran from that for a number of years, and I recommitted my life to Christ, and, and that call began to reemerge, and I was wrestling with it. I'll never forget um, that as I was praying with it, I just really sensed in my spirit that God was calling me. But I was afraid, you know. I was in my 30s at the time and, and thought, man, I, you know, I, this church life kind of scares me a little bit. And, and I don't know if I have the, the gifts to be able to do this. And I compared myself to all the good pastors that I knew, and I wouldn't like any of them. And so I was wrestling with that, and I'll never forget um, January 4th, 2000. I never remember dates, but I remember this one for a very spiritual reason, and that was because Florida State was playing Virginia Tech for the national championship. <laughs> Michael Vick was the quarterback for Virginia Tech at the time, and I wanted to watch this game. And so I was sitting in the living room of our house, and I was watching the game. It was on TV. And uh, all of a sudden, I got a phone call from a friend of mine by the name. His name's Carnell. He was a good friend of mine. And uh, Carnell would always call me and, you know, drop spiritual knowledge on me. And he's a, he's a preaching machine. And so usually he would call me and preach about three sermons on the phone. And so he called. I'm watching the game. Obviously, he's not a football fan. And so I'm watching the game, and he's telling me all this stuff, you know, that God's doing in his life. And I'm like, dude, I'm I want to watch the game here, <laughs> you know. And he's, he's speaking and doing all this. I'm kind of half listening, half watching. And uh, he, he said, before he got off, the only thing I remember of the conversation was he said, you need to read Isaiah 62. And I said, okay, whatever. So got off the phone, finished the game. Next morning, I drove into the office, and I was driving in. I'm wrestling with this in my heart. I'm just wrestling with this. God, what, God help me. You know, I, I, I don't, don't, don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so I get in the office, and I remembered what Carnell said. So I opened my Bible to Isaiah, and I read these words that say, The sovereign Lord, the anointing of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news, to proclaim freedom for captives, to bind up the brokenhearted, and I, I felt like in that moment that God was saying, this is what I'm inviting you into. And so, so, so I had this prompting in my heart. I had the scripture. And, and man, this was serious for me. I, I didn't take this lightly. And so the first thing I did was I thought, okay, I'm going to call some godly people in my life. And one of the first people that I called was my uncle, Ray, who pastors in Omaha, Ray Clough. And I called him on the phone. I said, Ray, I've been struggling with this. And I felt this prompting in my heart. And you know, Carnell called me in the middle of the game, interrupted the game, how dare he, and gave me this scripture. I read this morning, this is what it said, and I said, I think, I think God might be calling me into full-time pastoral ministry. And he said, and such a sweet, sweet guy, and, and just in the nicest way, he said, you're an idiot. <laughs> he said, everybody's known this but you. He said, we've all known this. God has been calling you in ministry. You've been running from this for years. And so I called my dad. And he didn't call me an idiot, but he said, we've known this. I mean, everybody I called said, we've known this. 
And so God worked in tandem with, through his word, through his spirit, speaking into my own heart, through other people that he had placed around me. And I can't tell you how many times God has done that exact thing. And the important thing is, is listen, when God speaks, he wants you to get the message that he's trying to speak to you. He's not trying to hide it from you. And so it's not like I'm going to say it once and if they miss it, man, shame on them. God will speak to us. He'll make it clear to us because he'll speak to us not only an impression. He get, but listen, if we're going to have that, we better spend time in prayer, right? We better turn off the TV and turn off social media, get down on our knees once in a while and spend time in prayer. If he's going to speak to us through his word, then we better open it up once in a while. I mean, Laura gets frustrated with me, me all the time because she'll call me and my phone is laying on my desk in the office and I'll be someplace else in the church. I can't answer the call unless I've got the phone in my hand and I'm prepared to receive the call that is coming to me. And the same thing is true when we're talking about this, when we're talking about hearing from God. We've got to put ourselves in the position to hear and to listen. Are we listening? That's the question. Not will God speak. The question is, are we listening? Because God wants to speak to you. I believe that with all my heart. So as we close things up this morning, I want to invite Dustin to come and help me as we, we close things up. I want to remind you, the key to knowing what is best is to know God. The way that we know God is simply by listening to him. He'll speak to us if we listen to him. He'll, he'll speak to us through other people. He, we can hear from him when we pray. We can hear from him as we spend time in his word. This is my challenge to you this morning. Try it and see if God doesn't do exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Try it and see. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Father, Father, this morning, just like the Apostle Paul prayed for his friends in Philippi, I, I also want to pray today. I want to pray for each and every person in this room. I want to pray that, that their love for you would abound more and more, both in knowledge and insight. I pray that each of us would be able, because we understand how much that you love us, and because that love, that agape love, is growing within us, we would be able to discern what is best. Not just what is good, what is best. Father, we believe that you want the best for us. We believe that with all of our hearts. You, you promised us in Jeremiah 29, 11 that the plans that you have for us, they're good plans. They're plans to prosper us and not to harm us. They're plans to give us a hope and a future. And Father, we know that that future can only be found in you. That hope can only be realized as we're, we're listening to your voice and we're discerning what is best and then we're being obedient to whatever it is that you speak to us. So, Father, this morning, my prayer is that you would place around each of us godly people who would be in tune to your heart, who would hear your voice, and would speak your love into our lives. I pray that you'd help me to be that kind of a person. I pray that you'd help us to be that kind of people for each other. Father, this morning, I pray that, 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 that you would speak to us your voice by your spirit as we spend time in prayer listening to you. 
I pray that you'd help us to carve out the time. God, I am convinced that there is no greater battle than the battle of our time when it comes to prayer. The last thing in the world the enemy wants us to do is to pray. I pray that as we spend time on our knees, on our faces before you, we would hear your voice. And God, I pray that as we open your word, you would make it come alive to us. I pray that there would be words that just kind of jump off the pages and grab us by the heart, Father, and that you would speak to us as only you can by your active, alive word. This morning, as you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around as we're praying today, maybe there's somebody here and you're facing a decision right now and you desperately need to know what's best in that decision. I'd love to just pray for you and include you in a, in a general prayer that I pray here. So if that's you, would you just lift your hand up? You say, man, would you include me in your prayer? I've got some decisions that I need. I want to know what's best. I want to discern what's best. Yeah, several of you. Thank you. Yeah. Father, this morning, we thank you that we can come to you and you promise that you'll respond to us when we pray. And Father, this morning, I pray that as your love continues to abound in each one of these individuals' hearts who lifted their hands today, that, Father, you would give them a depth of insight, that you would give them a supernatural knowledge that comes not from their own human ability, not from their own giftings or talents, but, Father, I pray that it would come directly from your spirit. And, Lord, how you choose to do that is not mine to tell you. But, Father, I, I just pray and claim that you will do it for each one. I pray that you'd help us to be on the lookout for the answer, expecting for you to actually speak to us. What if we just did that? What if we just expected for you to talk to us, God? And so I pray that over each one this morning. And, I, and Lord, I know that also in a room like this that there are probably some, maybe one, two, I don't know, that are here this morning and they have never, we're talking about relationship, They've never entered into that relationship with you where they just said, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to be the forgiver of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. And so this morning, real quick, we're not going to belabor this or anything, but, but if that's you, if, if you're who I just prayed about, God brought you here today for that reason, would you just lift your hand and say, hey, uh, today I want to I invite him into my life. I want to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? Father, this morning, for those that lifted their hands this morning and said, I want you to be the Lord of my life, the forgiver of my sins. Father, I, I confess this morning that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I pray that you would invade their life in such a way that you would begin to transform them from the inside out by your love. And so, Lord, we pray, we pray today that this decision that was made this morning would be supernaturally sealed by your Spirit in their hearts today. We thank you for what you've done. We love you and we praise you this morning. Help us, Lord. Help us to listen to you. We're listening today, Lord. We listen to you today. In Jesus' name. You say the word, and the dark turns into light. You say the word, and the
God, we're listening. We are listening. We're listening. Amen. Be blessed as you go this week. I encourage you to find time to listen to God into your circumstance, into the season of your life and your relationships. May he be blessed in your life as you go. Just a reminder, one per family, please take one of those long-expected Jesus devotionals. It'll be a neat way for us to do this as a family together as we approach celebrating the birth of Jesus. So be blessed as you go. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.